Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, friends. It's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well, and welcome to another of this redraft series where Kane and I pick a draft from the past, then using everything we know, look at how the recruiters could, should, or might have gone about redoing the AFL draft of that year. Uh, If you want to go back and see our latest episode, 2013 redraft, that is available for you wherever you're getting this podcast episode. But Kane, today we're talking a pretty interesting draft year, 2010. We'll talk about the ground rules in a second, but this draft is crucial for a number of years, but predominantly the Gold Coast Suns, this was their foundational draft that really, it actually wasn't too bad for them, really, was it? No, they did okay. They did okay. Obviously, they had a wealth of of picks inside the top 20, including the first three. So they had a lot of good players um, available. It's just always interesting when we do these things, MJ, when it all washes up, how many actually even came from the first 20 and retain in our 20. So um, obviously we know that Tom Lynch was a good pick in the early teens. Yeah, Um, They did pretty well. Um, I think the hard thing is it might've been those secondary players outside of Gary Ablett. I had a quick look at their first season stats and Gary Ablett nearly led the club in every category. Danny Stanley was their leading goal kicker. So yeah, wow. I think all of these kids, and we've seen it now as a lot of them have moved on to other clubs. Um, they've flourished with being in better sides. So yeah. I think that's the hard balance we're going to have to deal with is how much of this was limited by them playing in such a, a poor side for so yeah. long and how much bias do we give to teams that, you know, won a few premierships in this time. And obviously they have that to their back, but maybe their individual performances weren't as high. So that was some of the things I was wrestling with. Um, and as you mentioned, it's a really interesting crop because they've just played their 10th season in the league. So we've got a really big pool of information. We did the 2013 crew before, which also had a good tier, but they're probably yeah. just entering their peak. Now we look at some of the guys in this crew, they've really come into their own in yeah. the last one to two to three years with a lot of them having their best season in 2020. Yeah, it's true. There's a bunch of guys that have made all Australian squads or all Australian 40s from this year that if we were doing this redraft 12 months ago, gosh, maybe they might not even have made it into the list. So so here's some of the ground rules and how it's going to work. Number one, if a player's been allocated to a club by a father-son, they cannot be touched. So someone like a, a, a Tom Liberatore or a Mitch Wallace, who are the Bulldogs owned this draft season, just letting you know, they're not the only club that did. It just means they are unavailable and also means if they're a promoted rookie so they're being elevated from an existing club um, and then up into the primary listing it's certainly different to how the rookie list is currently functioning in 2021 but it does mean that they are off the table and then all it'll be is we're going to take it in turns interchangeably at one pick at a time uh, building these top 20 we're just going to do the top 20 we're not going to do the full first round which did blow out to 25 picks because of all the compensation picks um, and the draft allocations that got added to the gold coast sun so that is what we're going to do kane because i had pick one last time i think you're going to get the uh the odd numbers so you'll get the first pick in the draft then i'll take second and then we'll take our turns interchangeably until we get to pick 20 neither of us has any idea what each other's doing 
So this could get interesting. If we go to pick one, it was the Gold Coast Suns originally. They picked David Swallow. Pretty solid pick. Not a superstar, but certainly a solid citizen. But when we look at some of the names that got picked later on in the draft, in the preseason draft, and even in the rookie draft, I don't know if he's who you're going at pick one. So who are you picking, Kane, with the first pick in the 2010 redraft? Uh, I'm taking Jeremy McGovern. We always love the rookie draft, and it always amazes us when we do these and we look through these, just how many good players are in the rookie draft every year. And I'm sure there's another guy that's going to be in discussion at pick two. But at pick one, Jeremy McGovern, when you're a four-time All-Australian from 2016 to 2019, and again, if it wasn't for some injuries and a suspension this year, I think his level of play when he was on the field, you know, was fitting other another All Australian honor. So his performances are just out of control. We know he was a slow starter. Fitness was something that people were really critical of. But when you want a person that can lock down, intercept, use the ball, and he's also got that versatility that he can swing forward and get you a goal if you ever need it. We know that West Coast in their current lineup are absolutely loaded with those tall stocks, Kennedy. Darling and the younger guys, Oscar Allen's looking really, looking really, really good. So, but to have a guy that you can just lock away and just do a job both defensively and also launch a lot of attack, um, you know that the Gold Coast Suns were under a lot of pressure defensively early on. But to be honest, McGovern's a type of guy that you'd be hoping in their third to fourth season, he's really coming into his own. And like I said, 2016 to 2019, four straight All-Australians and he's still absolutely in his prime. Um, I think he's a type of piece that you just build around for a long time and you never have to worry about it. He, he's a beast. And if you look at some of the picks that Gold Coast did try to take a little bit later on in the draft, it also makes sense into that list strategy and build as well. You look at some of the guys I'm, I'm alluding to, I'm talking about a, a Seb tape. Um, Sam Day was probably more initially picked while at pick three, probably more as the forward, but could certainly at that stage spend some time in um, the defensive uh, line as well. Uh, they go and pick up kind of a ruck forward in a gorange, uh, you know, and a handful of picks time as well. And so uh, going and getting themselves a key tall, especially um, one as good as McGovern, you said elite intercept, elite one-on-one. Um, I can't fault that pick. Who would have thought it originally picked, like you said, in the rookie draft at what, pick 44. Uh, and we're saying we'd redraft him in at number one. All right. I like that. Well, you've made my pick pretty easy then um, in at pick two. And um, originally it was Harley Bennell. And in terms of talent, he was the most talented player in the draft pool in terms of ability. But for a variety of different reasons, some off-field, some health, we never unfortunately ever got to see the fullest potential of Harley Bennell. Outside of maybe a season and a half, Kane, I reckon we got to see glimpses of him. But for me, I'm actually going to pick someone that Gold Coast picked anyway. Um, they went and they gone and picked up Tom Lynch at pick 11. Anyway, I, I still think they made the right call. They went out and got arguably a, a generational forward. Tom um, is an elite ball user when he gets the hands on the ball, an incredibly strong overhead mark, dominant when he can make get out and about on the lead, strong in a pack mark. And then he does something that not a lot of key forwards do. 
is he adds ground ball pressure to that as well. And so we've seen Richmond thrive on that and him thrive on in that ecosystem over the past couple of years since moving into that place. But he is just absolutely elite at that. He ranks elite across his career for disposals, uh, for contested possessions, um, elite in terms of um, his scoring and shots at goal and score involvements across his entirety of his career. And even before he got to Richmond, he, he was still elite. Like he was kicking 40 to 60 goals pretty much from his second season in. Like first year he played, he kicked eight goals, but then this is his goals tally at Gold Coast. 46, 43, 66, 44. And then there's an injured season in through there in, in 2018 um, where he only just kicked a, a handful of goals um, that year. But in his past two years at Richmond, again, he, he's one of the primary reasons. In fact, I think he is the reason they made the grand final in 2019. Um, he was the guy that won them games when the majority of their key leaders in Rewalt, Cotchum were falling down with injury and poor form. He got them there. So for him, if he had stayed at Gold Coast and with some of the rebuilding blocks that we're doing here, I think it, it was an incredible pick just a few picks earlier. So that's why I'm going Tom Lynch in at number two, at pick three, still Gold Coaster on the board, back to you, Kane. They yeah, went just quickly on Tom Lynch. Even yeah. this year, like he only didn't kick a goal in two games. Yeah. Like that's really incredible when we know that the minutes were shortened. And again, you look at 32 goals and it doesn't seem like a lot, but even when you just put on the fact that the quarters were 16 minutes, like yeah. it's another 40 goal season. Um, and that's the thing with these tools is you only really need them to be going in the finals and Richmond are going to be in the finals. Yeah. And they've got so many other good players that, you know, it's not that, massive burden that he had in that peak Gold Coast year, like 66 yeah. goals in a side like that. Like he's obviously capable of doing it. Totally. Um, and again, is, does he have the Tom Hawkins like performances where he single-handedly tears a team apart? Not, not really, no. but he's not really asked to do that either in the way they play. So yeah, I don't think you can go wrong at all. Um, again, Gold Coast got a great service out of Tom Lynch. It was just yep. unfortunate. didn't have the pieces around him, um, you know, to see, you know, make a finals for the first time, but at pick three, they went originally Sam day. Mm-hmm. I'm just going for a guy that rocks up every week, does his job. And in his position, he is absolutely elite. And that's Andrew Gaff. Nice. Wing wingman's a position that Gold Coast only, only in the past, you know, two off seasons have started to really address with Atkins coming in this year. Brandon Ellis in previous years, but really I jumped and had a look at the 2011 season at the ball winners, Gary Ablett, 30, Riscatelli, 23, Harbrow and Bock and Stanley, 20 apiece, David Swallow in his first season, 20. And then it was Sam Isles, Jared Brennan, Harley Bennell, all in the high teens. So there's not many elite wingmen in the AFL, um, especially someone as versatile as Gaff that can play a little bit inside. If you need him, he's not, um, it's not his preferred position, but you can also roll him to half back and half half forward, and he does a great job. But to have a guy on the wing that just works so hard, so tidy by foot, and just is going to be on the field every single week, like as we as we talked about in other podcasts, MJ, outside of the absolute brain fade that saw him suspended, like the guy's missed a game through injury once in the past six or seven years, and it was a concussion. Where they were playing Gold Coast as well, who were really poor at the time and yeah. it was West Coast at home. So I'd beg to say that he would have played that if it was a more important game. So again, Gaff, amazing at his position, so consistent, so durable and still performing at the level 
this season. So you've probably got another three to four years out of him where he's just absolutely elite. Yeah, and look, it's it's a pick earlier than when he, he would have gone to West Coast. And certainly if he was still on the board and we're doing the redraft, um, there'd be no reason why West Coast would have changed plans through there. So yeah, really, really like that pick. And it makes it interesting for what West Coast do because when you look at that list, again, we see he originally went um, to the West Coast Eagles with Gaff there. You, you build through where they were currently functioning and they were in a really weird spot where their list was there, but not yet quite. They they had Nick Natanui developing. They had Josh Kennedy. They had Dean Cox still hanging around through there. Um, Matt Pritt is still, you know, hadn't quite won his Brownlow medal, but was flying around. And then they had these bunch of guys that they loved for a long period of time, but they never could really move them much forward. It's, it's the Rosa. It, it's the Walters. For, to a lesser extent, it, it was the Chris Maston. Um, and, and even the Scott Selwood, you know, as much as he was a, a vice captain of the club, um, they, they just had this bunch of guys that were never quite the people that would move them into what would eventually be that match winning and grand final winning team in, in 2018. And so for me, I'm looking at it going, I, I do need some outside run. Um, and so do I jump early and go on Isaac Smith or a Pollock? Like that's early um, on either of these guys. Do I go there or do I go for someone I just think is just good value and he's just probably the best available talent. So for me, I'm going Luke Parker um, from, from originally drafted to the Sydney Swans in at that point. Um, but for me, I just think he, he was a steal in the draft. Like he was pick 40 to the Sydney Swans, but he's an elite clearance player. And then he does what not a lot of midfielders can do is, is a damaging target both in the air and on the ground inside forward 50. And you imagine the opportunity of say Mark Lacroix being that lead up type player that they already had. They go and pick another kind of tall, a little bit later on in this draft in a Jack Darling. Um, and then another tall in a Scott Lysette, you know, both premiership players for the club. I just think what Parker would do while he doesn't replace the run um, that someone like an Andrew Gaff, you know, if, is what he does do is he adds an incredible new dynamic to that midfield. Um, if it a Jack Redden never does make his way over from Brisbane, they're not struggling. Um, if a Tim Kelly never makes his way over from Geelong, they've still got an incredible leader in that midfield so that when Prittis moves on, Shuey's already there um, at the club, but he's still only young himself. It's just another key component into that midfield. So for me, uh, I go and pick Luke Parker uh, in at number four, but in number five, Brisbane Lions, a player they end up losing anyway uh, a few years later, was originally drafted as Jared Pollock. Do you stay with the outside run or is there somewhere else for you, Kane? I think, again, like you said, with Parker, MJ's, Parker might not be the exact need they have to fill, but when you've got a guy that's such a good leader, such a good player year on year, does have some flexibility going forward. He's not a super tall player, but he's a really hard matchup forward and when I look at who's left on the board, I think this guy, um, especially now that I feel like we know his preferred position in the field, um, I'm taking Jeremy Howe for the Brisbane Lions. I think, again, similar to McGovern, not quite as strong defensively, I would say, in terms of taking on the really big forwards like a Hawkins or a Lynch, um, but a very good defender, great distributor. And we've seen now when he's across halfback, it really is him and McGovern that are the best at intercepting winning the ball back. And we know that's where the modern game is going. You have to be able to defuse the opposition's attacks. And I feel like we were probably robbed of an All-Australian season from how, I know he only played a few games, but if you saw the way he was using the ball, like I'd never seen him set up so much attack 
for the Pies. And I feel like while they're going to have Harris Andrews down the track, really that, that second tall, they haven't really had someone that can play. And they've had sort of the more key guys, but a distributor. Again, Harris Andrews isn't really a distributor. I know they've got, you know, the virtuals and the riches and these type of guys, but not really from at all. And that's probably more to the fact that there's not many ones in the league that are actually good enough to do it. Um, so I think when you get a chance to take a Jeremy Howe, he's only one year older than the draft eligible players in the pool anyway. So it's not like he's much older than some of the other mature ages we had, but um, obviously went to Melbourne. But I think if you've got a chance to get a Jeremy Howe, a lead at that position, there's a raft of midfielders. And at the time, Brisbane does have pretty good midfield stock in day. So I, I can't look past a Jeremy Howe. I think it's a really nice addition. And there's probably some movements there that they were, you know, if you're looking through there, you, you see that Ruckman that's a little bit later on at that point, you see a, there's some key forwards and some really nice running players still to come that get picked up in the draft. So yeah, it's, I think it's a good call too, but there's probably that just moment of which, which option do we choose to take for them? Yeah, I totally agree. That's the thing. You, you look at what's to come and obviously they went, they went with the run. They went with an outside run. And I think that's the thing with drafting that's really, really fascinating is, and it's always going to be the case, MJ, isn't it? How much do you weigh to just these people are really good at their position, even if they're not a need? And obviously when you've got players of the quality that we've read out, that's the first five, it doesn't really matter if they're not a need because they're already going to be in your best, you know, five to six players at the club. But it's always fascinating when we get to the actual draft and we see clubs go for need even if the player's not very good and then if they don't make it or they're not better than what you've already got on your list, it's a bit of a waste of the pick. And it's always funny that the players that we go late, we look at a Warple or a Luke Parker, very good numbers as juniors, great leadership, were captains of their TAC side and they get overlooked because they don't see the upside or they don't see the need of an inside mid. So I think at this point of the draft, I've got Jeremy Howe probably a tier above the players down my list so i just can't i yeah. just can't overlook him at the lines i just no, can't. i like it man I, I think it's good um let's get to pick six then the richmond footy club uh ha- had uh, an early pick they went for reese conker who's now found his way to to Fremantle. and, and to be honest i, I found myself I'm, I'm torn in two directions here um one i'll tell you the two players that i'm torn on but i think i know which one i'm going to go for one, you go for a player that they've now already got in, a Dion Prestia. That's one option you go. You go the, clearly at the time with Reese. they're hoping he'd turn into that midfielder, that leader. Um, they had Cotchen um, through there. They had Dusty through there. Now it was like, what's that third piece of the midfield puzzle that they'd hope to get? Because if you look at through some of the names in terms of ball winners that they had through there, Shane Tuck and Brett Deledio. Again, Deledio was still very, very fit. Um, and then it was a Shane Edwards and, a, and an aging Chris Newman off the half back. And so you could see the theory of what they'd hoped Reese Conker had become. So that explosive midfielder that can play another role. So that's certainly an option. Gold Coast picked him just a handful of picks later. The other option is Richmond at that time were really Jack Rewalt centric in terms of goals. Like it, he had 70 odd goals across the year. And then their next person in terms of amount of goals, like they had four or five guys kicking, kicking 10 plus goals, but these are the sort of names that were delivering scoreboard. Andrew Collins, Ben Nason, Robin Nahas, Mitch Morton, Jake King, a very young Dustin Martin, and Matt White. And so here's where I'm tempted by a Jack Darling too, 
where I go. He, he He's not a traditional key forward in terms of sit it on their head kind of guy. He's much more uses that aerobic ability to work over his players. So that's where I'm kind of torn if I'm Richmond in this point, knowing what it is. But for me, I am going to go Jack Darling. I reckon knowing where they're at, knowing where that list was, knowing that they had a pretty fit Brett Delidio, they were comfortable with the developing Cochin, the developing Martin. They're happy enough with what Shane Tuck's doing in and under the ball. Um, albeit he's only got a couple of years left. I'm thinking, you know what? We, we need something else up forward to kind of give us some targets and some pressure because, you know, Angus Graham's not doing it. Alex Rance, again, he, he's still only very young himself. We just don't have any avenues to goal. Yes, they've just picked up Tyrone Vickery not long ago either. Um, but for me, knowing what I know about what Jack Darling has become, I'm finding him really hard to say no to the Richmond Footy Club. Yeah, it's really interesting, MJ, because I actually had it the other way around. I had Presti, and I think the bias is that knowing what he becomes, again, he at had Richmond, a few yeah. good seasons at Gold Coast. He obviously had yeah. some injury issues as well. But um, again, the two-way midfielder that he is, He's not, a, he's not a great ball user, but because of the pressure that Richmond put on, his ability to yeah. just drive the ball forward and be relentless in the contest, he doesn't have to be pinpoint. It's not the West Coast no. game style. It's not you know the um, Giants game style of previous years. It's about getting the ball forward. Again, they talk about the chaos all the time and supporting those smalls. And Dion's great at applying pressure as well. Yeah, so on the board I had, we were, we were going... Spot on as I had it, MJ, until that pick six. I'm so happy I to had, ruin the plan for you, you. You've ruined my plan. And as a result, I'm actually going to flip things around for Gold Coast again. Because there's a guy, again, I was tempted by just knowing how Dion fit at Richmond. Yeah. But this guy, I'm really impressed by, and I think it's the type of player that Gold Coast, and it's fun enough they actually had him, but I'd want him in the current um, Gold Coast outfit, and that is actually Jared Lyons. When I think about Jared Lyons, um, what he's become when he's been finally given an opportunity, we know at Adelaide, when he was at Adelaide, he was a half forward. And to be honest, the midfield was extremely good. They were fit for the most part. We know that Sloan was at the peak of his powers, Crouch. Um, Brad was there as well when he was fit. Um, and obviously had that move to the Suns, didn't work out didn't fit in for whatever reason, but it's no surprise when he's been given the opportunity to be almost like a Robin. He's he's best as a Robin when you've got a Lockie Neal. And when I think that he would have a Gary Ablett for most of his career, again, and it's similar to Prestier in a, in a sense that it's two way with Jared Lyons works really hard, both ways tackles again, not the best ball user. Like he's not super, super deadly, but he can hit the scoreboard. Um, just a really tidy, consistent player. And when I think about what the Suns really needed, like he's an automatic upgrade on a Riscatelli. He's an automatic upgrade for mine on a Swallow. And maybe that's because Swallow you know, didn't have the, have the fitness and, and Dion Prestia's had some injuries. But I just feel like so much of Jared Lyon's early career was just wasted not getting that opportunity. And now that we've seen him have pretty much a season and a half as a pure midfielder, yeah. consistent midfield minutes, um, I just think that's what Gold Coast need is a guy that you can just tell he loves footy and he just competes yeah. every time. Like he's a big step away from the Harley Bunnells and the type of players that they had. They had a lot of flash, Absolutely. the Jared Brennans, um, but just to have that grunt and, and maybe it has been filled now with the Hugh Greenwood type. Yeah, yeah. And obviously swallows probably become that player, even though I said lines is an upgrade, but 
just very industrious. Took Miller as well. Like I have lines a tier above. Again, obviously he's older than Took, but just that guy that you can just lock in. And albeit it is early at pick seven, when I feel like we've only just started to see the best of Lions now, I just love that he can support a Gary Ablett doing the dirty stuff, but also giving you that 25 touches, four or five marks and four or five tackles, and also push forward. Um, for mine, I would have picked Darling if you hadn't picked him at Gold Coast. And I, I again, had that bias to press during that Richmond game style. But yeah. I think for the Suns, I'd love to see what Lions could do if he had started his career as a mid and maybe by 22, 23, we'd be looking at Lions having six or seven seasons under his belt as an inside mid. And I think he just yeah. would be really good cultural fit for that young, that young Suns team. Yeah, I like that, man. I think it's a really good pick. And again, I know we're both going to ruin each other's drafting board plans right throughout this top 20, but I, I really like that addition of Jared Lyons. Uh, next up, it was Essendon. Uh, it's their current captain that they ended up picking there in Dyson Heppel. And, and again, recency bias. Um, a lot of people would move right away from Dyson, unfortunately. He's not been able to get the most out of his body, certainly over the past 18 months. But in 2015, 16, 17, 18, he was an incredibly um, prolific ball winner. Um, really was, um, at, at, for a number of years there in, you know, kind of 15, 16, was looking like he was going to become, you know, for, well, we're more of a fantasy footy podcast for the, for the base. Like people were looking at him as the next uber premium to take over from a Dane Swan. That's how much of possession and how much ball and influence he was having um, on the contest. So he's not who I've gone, but I can understand what Essendon were trying to do here. Now we're going, we're looking for the future of our midfield. They've got an, an aging Watson, a bit of outside running Stanton. Uh, you got guys like Winderlich, Heath Hocking, Brent Prismal. There's a name you haven't heard in five years, guaranteed. Um, and again, a, a youngish David Zaharakis. But for me, knowing what I know uh, uh, about this player and what still arguably this club needs, maybe Jai Caldwell. And will help fill that void is I, I can't pass up Dion Prestia here, a player that runs both ways, a player that does the tough stuff in and under both defensively and offensively um, is, is solid enough with ball in hand in terms of delivery inside forward 50. Um, he, he would just add something to that young unit straight away um, and, and probably mean if he did stay there and, and some of the other additions that have now come along later. I reckon he would sit along perfect alongside a Zach Merritt, perfect alongside a, a Dylan Shield, because while he's not that in and out beast Watson style player that's there, um, he would have complemented that midfield beautifully then, helped them get through a really difficult period with the drug saga, and then set them up for success for the next couple of years. So for me, Presti are probably unlucky not to go two picks earlier to, to Richmond, um, and as good as Heppel was, and still, you know, I think can be if he can get back. Um, to, to some full health, I can't pass up on Dion Prestia uh, for me in at number eight. So he's who went originally at number nine to the Gold Coast Suns. Back to you as you rebuild the dynasty of that team. Well, MJ, the good thing is about this is that the Suns do have the next three picks. So to be honest, there's three guys that I'm really weighing up. So okay. I feel well, mainly two. So I'm, I'm hopeful you'll take the other. And if you don't, I guess I'll take him with the one after it. <laughs> The one I'm going to go with, and again, it's purely that in his position, he is elite, and it's Isaac Smith. Um, I know I've already taken Gaff. Again, as much as Gaff's a hard runner, Isaac Smith is the run and carry. Gaff's not really run and carry. He's more link up, 
use it smartly. And to have a guy like Isaac Smith, again, I know he was mature age, so he's he's more towards the tail end of the career than compared to a lot of the other guys in this pool. He's four years older. so um, But his ability when he was on, and obviously he's part of that really incredible Hawthorne side, um, just such a unique player, such a damaging player, such a line-breaking player. And like I said, they didn't really address that, the Suns. They haven't. And even Brandon Ellis isn't that type of player. Now, there's not many guys in the league. Brad Hill's probably one. Whitfield, yeah. when he plays on the on the wing, is one as well who has the mixture of pace, endurance, ball use. I know Brad Hill doesn't get it probably enough, but Isaac Smith is extremely elite. I mean, I think I've got Gaff and Smith working both ways. And Harbrow's, you know, coming off the halfback line, Hanley in the future, but really the numbers are inflated by the amount of ball and defense as, as solid as a contributor Harbrow is. I'd much rather have the ball in Isaac Smith's hands linking up. So for me, a pick nine, I'm going to take Isaac Smith. I like it. Just a re- Again, he went a pick 19 originally yeah, to the Hawks, fun. but um, yeah, I just love what he brings. And I think there's a lot of teams that have been searching for a player in the current AFL. We've seen a lot of people try it as wingmen to try to harness what Hawthorne had with Hill and, with Hill and Smith. And yeah, I just can't pass up him at um, pick nine. Well, you imagine someone like a Gary Ablett, who again, and even this year was still pretty darn good, but back then Pete Gary could do anything and everything in, out, finish, forward, back. But you have that developing outside ability on either side of guys that would just run all day that can pick up off the rebound in Gaff um, and also now Isaac Smith. That just allows Gary to be, mate, Burst from stoppage, win it at the stoppage. And then if that your elite ability, you find yourself getting tagged out of the game, you've got these relief options on the outside. Um, like, yes, you missed some X factor with no Harley Bennell, but gosh, in terms of dependable running players that can use the ball pretty well by foot, they're pretty well set up, Gold Coast. Yeah, and that's the thing that's interesting, MJ, too, is he's not a kid as well, which I actually think for the Gold Coast situation you were in, would have helped. You, you bring a 22-year-old in. I know he's playing in an Incredibles team. So the numbers and the Hawthorne game style are clearly going to help this. But his first season, he played 16 games, averaged 19 disposals, and kicked a goal and a quarter a game. Like, that's a really impressive return. If you can have 20 goals from the position he was playing in the side, like, he's just so damaging. And you look at his career, the lowest season he had disposal-wise – is actually this year when it's reduced minutes. So if I have to take that out, he's pretty much been a 20 to, two, 20 to 23 disposal player year on year for 10 years. And we know that in that, there's a lot of meters gained. There's a lot of scores created. And um, as I said, I think that maturity would actually have helped balance out that list of the Suns. And again, it's not the Jared Brennans and the Riscatellis that I've been harping on about. It's actually... More what the, more what the um, Giants went down with the Callan Ward age, the Phil Davis, filling that bracket of guys that are mature, have also, um, while not played at AFL level for Smith, played a lot of footy. And I just think that would have been a really nice compliment, let alone walk up first year already AFL standard clearly. Yeah, I, I really, really like that pick. I think, I think it's a really good solid Option for them, Isaac Smith is a win. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to ruin your plans, but I, I look at what Gold Coast originally did with their picks, and we've said it right at the top of the episode. They actually, for the, the most part, didn't get it too far off. Probably maybe tape and day 
um, were probably the biggest quote unquote misses for say, and, and Day is perfectly fine. He's not a top three talent in terms of what he's proven to be, but he's still on the list, still delivering, still a reliable option for them up front. But for me, they went and got Daniel Gorringe, who was that kind of ruckman and they'd hope they'd take some time forward. For me, the best ruck that's sitting there, I'm going to keep with that mindset. Scott Lysette, um, who the West Coast Eagles originally drafted around about 10, 15 picks later, I think it was pick 29. Um, West Coast originally got him. I think I'm looking at, I know Zach Smith is sitting there on the list um, as an option that they've had. But for me, I go, okay, have we got the key weapons down forward? Yes, we got a Tommy Lynch. Um, now, knowing what the game has evolved into and what we're going to get out of Lysette is I'm going to get a, a warrior who's going to give me an option every single week. He's not the best ruckman in the AFL. He's not even in the top five. But what he does do is he gives me a contest. Is He's reliable. He gives me something and he fits into that list profile of what we're building here. Gold Coast, as you've said, they've got Gaff, they've got Smith. The outside wings are okay. They've got a really nice um, secondary Robin, as you've called him, in a Jared Lyons. They've got McGovern as that kind of tall slash intercept defender and that tall forward. The only real missing piece is could I go back to the midfield again? Potentially I could, and maybe you will after this. But for me, I, I know there are some guys later in the draft that try to draft tall, and miss and miss big. Um, I'm going to take Lysette. It's not a it's not an amazingly attractive pick, but gosh, I can build a list knowing that I've got it there. So for me, Scotty Lysette, he's an above average player in pretty much everything. But given what we see, some of the draft, like I think out of the top 20, I don't know, I reckon maybe half of them don't even feature in our top 10, top 20. So there's some big misses in this top 20, as there is often in some drafts. So for me, Lysette. I think that's what hurt. I think that's what hurt the Suns, MJ, in, in this draft is that they. You can see what they're trying to do. They went swallow Ben all day. Yeah. Now they've gone. They go Caddy, Prestia, Gorringe, Lynch, Tape, Tape. Like they're trying to have that balance. You know, yeah. they've, tried, they've got an inside mid. They've got a bit more of an explosive inside outside mid in Benel. Um, obviously, a big tall hybrid in Day. A couple yeah. of talls like. They would probably have felt like, you know, they probably had a Brody Smith or a Ben Jacobs or Sean Atley, guys that had really good junior careers. They probably would have had them, but they probably thought, we've already got a lot of these type of guys. So that's where I think, unfortunately for them, like you said, the tall stocks in this draft really, especially in the first round outside of Lynch, they've all really been bus or extremely, you know, average, you know, making up the numbers, you're, 20th to 30th type of guys on a list. Um, and that's what I, you know, that's where I have Sam Day. He's, you know, would he be in many best 22s in the AFL? Probably not. But that's the thing that, you know, they went down that path and it didn't work. So just want to recap before this next pick, what we've had the Suns grab so far. So okay. McGovern pick one, Tom Lynch, Andrew Gaff, Jared Lyons, Isaac Smith, and you just took Scotty Lysette. Yeah. So we're, we're about to have our seventh pick. And it's yes. going to be pick 11. Um, yeah. Who originally was Tom two... Lynch, by the way. Exactly. So they've obviously nailed that. And he's well and truly gone off our board. And um, again, there's there's a few different avenues that interest me here. Um, obviously, I've got two wingmen, albeit two really different wingmen. Yep. Um, you know, there's one guy that's already was gone in the real draft in Dyson Heppel that intrigues me. And the other one that, intrigues me is is a Sam Menegola just because mm. I know the versatility that he can have 
Um, the hard thing is I've really locked in an Andrew Gaffin and Isaac Smith. Yeah. And as versatile as Menegola is, if you've watched him play, his best position is on the wing. When it he is. can run super hard, great build, great mark, um, tidy disposal. So for me, I'm just going to reinforce that engine room again. And, and Dyson Heppel, I think we just, we just forget, don't we, MJ? Yeah. We're so biased to the recent years. And again, we know that he was robbed of a season for the drug scandal. He's already in All-Australian once, but you look at this disposal count. First year, 21. Second year, 21. 24, 28. 26, 26, 27, 26. And in that yeah. time, MJ, the lowest games he played in the season was 18. Yeah. And it was 2019. Like, seriously, you're rocking up every day. You're getting that much of the ball. We know he started on the half-back flank, so I've always got that option at the Suns as well. I can always use him as inside mid. He's got that prototype build, six foot three. Um, if you look at his contested possessions, you know, it's up around the 10 to 12 mark when he was playing that role in his third year and beyond. Like that is the threshold you have to be to showcase that you can get your own footy. And really it was just this year where he played three games, you know, his body broke down. He was battling injury all year. Um, he just couldn't get on the park and I can forgive him for that. Again, has he probably played his best footy in the AFL, in my opinion? Yes. You know, he's been robbed of another season of another 20 games that he didn't get for, for the drug scandal reasons. But really, for Dyson Heppel, you've had, outside of this year, you had nine seasons of really good footy. Yeah. Really, really good footy. And um, as I said, I know Menegola's position is best on the wing, whereas I know I can play Dyson Heppel inside mid, outside mid, or halfback flank. So for me, um, I'm going to reshuffle my order and, and grab the Essendon captain, Dyson Heppel. I really like that. And again, you know, it, it, it's heading into fantasy booking territory to some extent, but for a big chunks of his career at Essendon, he had to be the alpha um, in, in terms of in and under. And, and while he can do that, that's not also his natural game um, in an entirety. So yeah, for me, I think if he's at a Gold Coast with some of the players that we've seen that we know that can get it done on the outside, he, he becomes a and this is not a negative term at all, he just becomes an incredible gravy option to this side where he can cover over areas in the field that are required. If they need him to drop into the halfback or to develop off there, um, you've already got some experience in Harborough, so he can develop a little bit away and then come fully into his own through the midfield. So I really like that one. What I don't like is this next pick. This is a tough spot. Melbourne had this next pick in the draft. Lucas Cook, I believe he was a tall that they were aiming for. And you're the Demons fan. So again, I'm not trying to stop uh, wounds MJ. or anything here. Yeah. But I don't think he ended up playing a game, did he? No, he didn't. He didn't play one game. Not even the token, you're a first round draft pick. The fans want to see you on the no. field. Didn't play, um, did not play a game. Um, and it's no surprise, MJ, that if we think about the subsequent years that it had come, yeah. it's no surprise that it took six six or so years to just become um, competent, not even successful, but just, you know, not be the wooden spooners, you know, and that's, we're still another six or seven years away from, from that happening. From it turning. From, yeah. yeah. So um, again, when you miss on something like that, it hurts, but the thing is, we can't even blame 
our draft because if we just touch on Melbourne briefly, sure. we grab Jeremy Howe at 33. Yep. Tom McDonald at 53. Like good picks. You've plucked two guys that, again, at their best, really, really good players. So yeah. Um, you can't you can't say that you know it was just drafting. It's you know it was obviously a huge array of factors, coaching, development, all those sorts of things. Culturally, it was um, inept, and the results showed that. But yeah, you, especially in this day and age, MJ, especially in 2020, um, you can't miss that bad on a draft day. And there was nothing. There was no um, you know constant ACLs or anything like that. That no. you know wasn't like it, his career was ruined, and it was just really really bad luck. Yeah. Um, just unfortunately for Lucas, he just wasn't at the level. It, yeah, I, I think that's the case. And, and and you look at the Melbourne list, like there are some good players still on the board, like some some really high quality players. But there's there's gaps everywhere on this Melbourne list at the moment. Again, and, and don't at, forget as well, the year before we Melbourne's just been given an extra pick and they've grabbed Trengrove Scully and Trengrove. So um, again, they're really in this period of having these picks. Yeah. Look, there's, you've got Brad Green, who's arguably the only avenue to go on, and Lyndon Dunn and Liam Jarrah showing some some potential. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't last long, but we're, we're seeing some potential through there. Um, through the midfield, it's Cameron Bruce. Tom Scully's had a pretty darn good first year, to be honest, mm. um, in, in terms of what he delivers. Brent Maloney, Nathan Jones is the warrior. Um, and, and then you've got a really nice blue chip, pardon the pun, um, defender in Frawley um, that's kind of there. So I think they've got a couple of options here if, if I'm Melbourne, I think, and none of them are wrong. Um, mm. to, to well, go, there's so many needs, MJ, isn't there? You, you can't be wrong at this point. You can't be wrong. Because the list going is going to turn over so much by the time these guys are in their prime that yeah. do you, yeah, get, you just can't really do any wrong. That's right. Do you go and get probably the, the – there's two really decent tools left on the draft board, both – defenders although mcdonald can play forward in jonas and mcdonald so you've got two really nice talks um kind of sitting there you've got you've got a couple of running players especially off the halfback in johannesson um you've got Brody smith through there you've got a couple of nice um variable types of midfielders in guthrie and swallow i think swallow's still unlucky to not get picked up at this point in time he's not really done anything wrong in his career he's just not lived up to the hype as a pick one. Um, and, and then you've got a couple of wingmen, albeit slightly different type of wingmen in Menegola and Pollock. Um, and, and then the, the guy I am probably going to go for though, um, is when I look at that list of, of, of Melbourne, I go, what is it like is a glaring omission to me? Like there's a few, but for me, I, I just need someone that's got a lethal foot skills and someone that's going to bring some run into this side. Um, because as good as, you know, we think that Scully's going to become and Trengrove's going to become, we've got the ability of foresight to know how that went out. I think there's a player that's still on the draft board who, who would only go a couple of picks later to Adelaide in Brody Smith would add something really strong to this midfield and halfback unit. He'd give some drive when, when it in the um, grand final and the finals of, of the Crows, how different would that preliminary final and grand final result have been had they had the elite foot skills of a Brody Smith, his ability to hit a target from 50, 55, 60 away is elite. His run and carry is so strong. And then just his dare to go with that as well. It's not like he's a conservative ball user. He's always, 
always looking to attack and take the game on. And so for me, while I could go any of those options and feel pretty justified in it, for me, I just think that what Brody could do in this side, um, while I'd love to pick him a couple of picks later at the Crows and where he originally went, for me, I just think Brody Smith adds a great sets of dynamic to that midfield and to that halfback unit. So Brady Smith, for me, is on his way to the Demons. It's interesting, MJ, because I had the exact same thought process, but I went Jason Johannesson when I originally had that Melbourne pick because, like yeah. you said, it's such a glaring need that um, still to this day hasn't been addressed in the Melbourne yeah. team. Unfortunately, Jaden Hunt's ball use is just not up to uh. scratch to be able to play that position. He's got the run portion down, but yeah. if you turn it over, unfortunately, it's not worth the reward of the run and carry. So no. again, I love the thought process and it was the two guys I was weighing up for Melbourne. Um, this is the last Gold Coast pick. In yeah, my they've disposal. had like seven. So they're up so, there. Yeah, we've had, we've had seven. This is, this is our eighth. So again, this McGovern, is where Seb Lynch, tape was. This is where Seb tape was. So McGovern, Lynch, Gaff, Lyons, Isaac Smith, Scott Lysette, Dyson Heppel. Um, I'm going to follow what they were trying to do, but I'm going to pick a guy that, Again, just so rock salt in this position. I'm going to go Tom Jonas, Port Adelaide captain. Um, nice. We've got enough midfield. Um, again, like most mature um, defenders, really coming into his own the last two, three years. And I think, again, with Port Adelaide's you know, return up the ladder, we've started to see just how good of a defender and leader he is. And I think um, we know what Stephen May is at the Suns when he was there, but to have a guy next to him that's just rock solid, um, you know, Sam Collins is down the track, but um, Tom Jones is just a lockdown. Clearly nothing fantasy related with this. He just no. does his job against the big guys. And you're not going to go into too many games where you feel like you're going to have an issue with the bigs if you've got Tom Jonas down there and a Stephen May. So, again, still a lot of good mids. Yeah. There's still some run on the board. Yeah. But um, just out of need, Yeah. Um, at this point, you know, I have Tom Jonas in that tier of all the other mids in his position. So... Really to lock like away it. a guy like that and round out uh, this incredible crew. class, the Gold Coast Suns, hypothetically, MJ, could have had. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty special group. Look, and, you know, full credit to Port Adelaide, rookie selection, number 16. Like, there's a bunch of rookie picks. Like, our number one pick was a rookie draft pick. And so, while there's moments in this top 20, where, as you think, when there's probably only... I don't know, there's only a handful of picks left. Maybe seven or eight of the current top 20 end up going in ours. The rookie draft, there were some fines through there, like some names that mm. might get mentioned but haven't yet um, is Luke Dalhouse at Johannesson, you've alluded to. is still on the board. Ed Kerno got picked up later. I, I know at any point in time, we've, there was a preseason draft pick of Basha Hooley. I, I, I should explain why I'm not picking him. Maybe you're going to go him. It was because it was a failed trade. Yeah, the, I left him out of my yeah my crew, MJ. Same as, you know, you can't have a Cam Bruce or, you know, even a Jack Ant. I, I left all those guys off again. We, yeah. We've had that rule if they've been previously listed. See, Menegola is different because he was delisted. Yeah. Um, that was the – again, Hawthorne picked him from East Fremantle. So as long as they were back and available to the pool, it's like we said at the start, that's why we don't take promoted rookies because yeah. they weren't accessible to everyone. They were in another pool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if they've come again, Magna Golda was in our 2013 yeah. crew as well. So yeah. um, he's getting double picked again. As, lo as long as they were, and he's he's got one more to go. So <laughs> he's, he's available for three. So um, 
And don't forget, Ed Kerno was the same originally as well. He, he yeah. had a chance um, at, the at Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. He just didn't make it um, yeah. work. So he came from Box Hill. But, you know, we did leave those those guys out for a reason. So, yeah, I, I thought um, I'm incre- like incredible crop. Yeah. yeah. I thought with people going, well, you're, freak- you're forgetting. Bull, you yeah. know? I'm like, well, there's a reason. Bully would be very interesting. Yeah, that would be very interesting. But yeah, You would have been close at from- six. He would have been close if if I was there. But again, failed trade. The clubs agreed. They found a way to get him through the preseason draft, uh, which uh, Adelaide are doing in just a couple of days' time with a Jackson Haightley, albeit a slightly different circumstance. Speaking of Adelaide, that is the club we get to now. Brody Smith, I kind of put myself in a bad position because I kind of wanted him there as kind of one of the only original picks. I thought Gaff might have been someone we could have got an original pick. Not too sure if we'll see any original picks from here on in. Thank you, Billy Smets, but you will not be picked uh, in our <laughs> I top don't think 20. so, MJ. I think um, we're, there's not much after Brody Smith's pick. No. It's, um, obviously, Isaac Smith was 19, but he's long gone. So Yeah, no. So for me, look, this is the point where there's a couple of options here on the board left for Adelaide. You, you go with the existing plan of what they were trying to do, which is a rebounding pretty good ball user off halfback. And we've already alluded to a player like that. Do they go and get, you know, a really strong, um, dependable midfielder in a David Swallow? Like he, he's still a very, very good AFL player right now and, and, and really unlucky not to be picked. Um, do we go and get, you know, the Guthries or the Menegolas who are your kind of your full complements um, of the midfield. But for me, I'll stick with the plan of a rebounding halfback and I'll go for Jason Johannesson. I know um, at times people might go, oh, he's not been that great. But if you look back over the past half, half a dozen years, he's one of the most um, electrifying halfbacks. His run and carry off halfback, like the fact that he won the Norm Smith, while everybody does allude to the fact that Tom Boyd was pretty unlucky, and he was, um, his ability in that grand final to break the game open, um, his meters gained is incredibly elite over his career and his ability to do just some damaging stuff with ball in hand as well. While he does have a tendency to spray it, he's still, he has the ability to use the ball well and he's got the courage to take the game on with foot and by the ability of how he runs and carries. So for me, the Crows were clearly looking um, for some run and carry. They clearly wanted some dash off half back. Pollock's still there, but he doesn't do much outside of the wing. So for me, that's why I'm going for Jason Johannesson. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense, MJ. Again, as you said, it fills a need. They clearly were addressing a need with Brody Smith. Brody Smith gone. Um, obviously, I think Johannesson adds a bit more pace. Smith, probably a bit more versatility. We've seen him play in the middle, but uh, again, we've seen that Johannesson's best. Is incredibly elite an, again, amazing, and, yeah. and it stacks up on the biggest stage. So you can't yeah. you can't ask for anything um, more than that. Another great great pick from the Dogs, and it's no surprise that the clubs had that had some great picks well, in this draft. Was, in he was a rookie pick, thirty nine, just seventeen picks earlier. Wonder if he goes yep. up top twenty. Luke Dalhouse um, is a player. So um, like Mitch Wallace and Libertore were obviously gifted as father sons, and it's a decent draft haul. Yeah. Yeah. No absolutely. wonder they won the flag. Like it's a it's a really nice draft hall. Yeah. For right. the cats. Number 15. Billy Smets is not getting picked. We've yeah. already, we've established that. What are yeah. they doing here? Are they are they gonna get Menegola albeit early? 
or are you heading it down a different route? No, I'm, I'm going to take Sam Menegola. Again, obviously the other one I was weighing up, um, mainly due to, again, I've seen him in the system. He's Cam Guthrie, best and fairest winner, Kaji Groves medalist this year. Um, obviously the hard thing with Cam is he was more of a role player until, you know, this year really. And obviously he burst onto the scene this year in terms of his numbers went through the roof. Um, time and ground was really constant around the 70, low, mid to low 70s, which is amazing for how much ball he got. But he was so dynamic when he came on the field and he's got a great, you know, build for it inside, outside. But I can't go past Sam Managola. Yeah. I think really unlucky to not be in the All-Australian team for mine. I know I it always happens. We put a bunch of mids in the forward line. But if you want a guy that does his role and he can do the, again, there's the pretty wing role where you get a lot of the ball but he can do the, the really dirty wink role where you have to be defensive, push back, help the back line out. Um, and again, I know he had stops at other clubs, but um, I think he's really found his home at the Cats. I love what he brings to the side and I love his versatility. So I'm going to take a current Cat at pick 15, Sam Menegola. I don't think you can go too wrong with him, man. I don't think you can go too wrong. It'd be fascinating to see... You know, had he got opportunities at the elite level at this point in time in his career too and not had to wait, you know, where would his evolve, um, evolution as a player have gone to? I still think he's obviously one of the elite midfielders in the game right now based on his last season. But, you know, an, another year or two playing AFL footy, another 40 games into him, what he's done right now, yeah, it's pretty exciting to me. All right. Port what Adelaide? Adelaide. Mm. There's a couple of current and former Port Adelaide players that have already gone and off the board. Polek uh, was originally picked by Brisbane a couple of years later. Do they go down that route, albeit two years later? It's not where I'm going to go. There's a player that they probably would have loved to have been able to still get at this point, but got cherry-picked off them in Tom Jonas, who they originally got in the, in the rookie draft. So I think they've got a couple of options for them. I think there's only really one tall left from the crop that, could be considered in these last four or five picks, and that's Tom McDonald. I think he's the only genuine tall that's left that's worth considering. There's a couple of really same-same midfielders in Swallow and Guthrie that are there, and then you've got a wingman in Pollock, and then maybe Michael Hibbard, who was a preseason draft pick. I have a person that's um, not on that list, MJ, but I will hold them. I'm just saying these are some of the names. Yeah, there's some of them. It's, in, it's an interesting all crew. All of the names. But then there's a couple of others that might, if we're talking of names, that we could look at. There's a small forward that got picked up a little bit later in the draft to Hawthorne, South Australian boy, Paul Puopolo. Again, past year or two, not amazing, but he's there. Another late pick that went in the draft while we're getting close to the end, Paul Seedsman, Anzac Day medalist, pick in the 70s in the draft is not bad. And then we talk about Western Bulldogs. Luke Dalhouse went in this draft as well. So so there's plenty of really nice options through there. If we want to look at Port Adelaide, Kane Corns is far and above their, their top ball winner and ball user. Um, not far behind that, Boke, Dominic Cassisi is the captain at this stage. They've got some outside in a Daniel Pierce. Um, and then when you look at what they're delivering up forward, it's not pretty I'll put at that point, Jay Schultz and Brett Ebert are the only goal scorers over 20 goals, Cam Hitchcock, and then a very young Robbie Gray. 
um, is all kind of through there. So you can, honestly, you can build a case much like for Melbourne, for the key back, for the wingman, for the serviceable mid, or almost any other list um, to kind of go through there. For me, I've got to pick David Swallow at this point. I'm going to go for him. He's not rolled gold. He's not crazy. He's not amazing. But what he is, is he's a developing leader. What he is, is a midfield piece of the puzzle that you can move around as you see fit. And so if I'm sitting here on draft day, knowing that he's just probably had um, an elite season in the VFL, playing for the Gold Coast Suns that year was no wonder he was the number one pick because he was the most promising junior flying through there. So yes, I can pick a bunch of other guys kind of through there. Um, but for me, um, I'm absolutely going to go take uh, the current Gold Coast co-captain uh, and get David Swallow and just go and establish in that midfield unit another really strong citizen to build around. Cassisi will go soon. Um, we know Boke has got a career year coming. Kane Corns, um, he's going to start to drift um, through his career over these next couple of years. And Robbie Gray, yes, he's he's evolving. Hamish Hartlett is still quite new in the club. Um, but for me, I just want to get who I think is probably the most rounded midfielder with the exception of Guthrie left on the board. I think he'd add a nice mix. So for me, David Swallow may be controversial, but I've got him going to Port Adelaide. Interesting, because the next crew are really everything North Melbourne already have. Like yeah. For me, the next two players that I'd be really interested in if I'm North Melbourne, yeah. sorry, if I'm not North Melbourne, if I'm just ranking them on who I think are the best players available, yeah, I've got Ed Kernow and Cam Guthrie, you know, probably ahead of really Everyone everywhere else. else. Yeah. But I know that I've just spent picks on Ben Cunnington, Jack Zebel. Yeah. I've still got Andrew Swallow. Um, I've already got Ryan Bastanak. I spent a pick on last yep. year. Um, and you obviously, like still to this day, that's solid now, don't you? Like, if you're North Melbourne, yeah. And we know that North's gonna North's gonna get close as well. They're gonna have a few, you know, prelims, and they're gonna be around the mark. So, you know, there's something there's something there um, in that engine room. I don't think the engine room was really um, an issue for them. So, yeah. I'm not really sure. Um, I don't really think I'm getting much of an upgrade um, down there. Where I probably have to go, just based on the need, is probably Tom McDonald for them. Yeah, and I'm probably sense. gonna and I'm probably gonna play him him back because again I've got you know Scott Thompson, I've got Grimer, I've got Ferrito, um, and obviously you've got the option of moving him forward if you do need again in 2011, which would have been Tom's first season. Petrie kicked 48 goals. Aaron Edwards kicked 36. He was, and this is one of his seasons where he was really handy um, for North. But really, um, outside of that, in the tall stocks, it was a Cam Pedersen. So knowing what um, Tom can do, sort of in that pinch hitting forward ruck roll, you know, doing a few centre bounces, pretty mobile. Um, I think really when Tom's at his best, he can push up to the wing and be that link player. But it's all, it's all fitness based. So I think for where North's at, again, I don't think I'm really gaining much by adding a Kerno or a Guthrie as much as I like them as players and have would have them if I'm just ranking them ahead of Tom. Um, I think I'm just building on a strength and unfortunately it's not a strength where they're really versatile. Again, yeah. we saw both of these guys in Guthrie and Kerno, they're really good in and around the ball. 
like I can't, they're not super yeah. versatile players. Obviously, Guthrie can do a role defensively. So can Ed. Um, but as I said, are they really going to bump out a Cunnington, a fit Zeebel in his prime, a Swallow? Um, you know, Daniel Wells is still going through there and Harvey. So I think uh, I have to take a Tom McDonald just for those key stock versatility. And we see to this day that, um, you know, North's really not really settled in that field. Obviously, they've just moved on Ben Brown for various reasons. But that young core is so... So inexperienced, you know, they've got Larkies, they've got Mackay's down there. Obviously, Robbie Tarrant's been terrific. But I think to have a guy like Tom McDonald that is so versatile would be really handy for North. Yeah, I really like that. I like that pick for North. Um, you're right. Again, we think of them in the past 12 months as this struggling, stuttering club trying mm. to reestablish their way. But right at this point in time, they are about to emerge to a number of preliminary final chances. They, they never really had the chance in those prelims either, for, you know, for full disclosure. They got, but to get to a prelim means your, your club and your list is right in that spot. And so, yeah, I, I think it's the right pick. And it means these final few picks we've got to go, by the way, they picked Sean Attlee in, um, at that position, who's still on the list and, and adding something um, for them. He's just, right. just never really had the season there, has he? MD and he shows no. the flashes. He's got the build. He's got the pace, but it's That's all it. just very okay, isn't it? He's yeah. probably never been a, a top 10 player. You'd say in their team, he's probably never no. been out of the top 20. Again, there's a reason he's played so many games. Like, yeah, he's, he's, he's in the team, good. but you know, he's played 214 like. games. Yeah. And you can't say, I oh, imagine what he'd be like in a good team. Cause they got to a number of deep moments in finals. Mm. They were clearly a very good football team. So I, I just don't think we're we're any the wiser, MJ, what his actual best position is 10 years in. No, is he a defender? Sure. Is he a defender that, you know, is attacking like a Smith or a Johannesson? Like yeah. it's um it's just again, he just plays, but he doesn't seem to be going north or south. He's just out there. So yeah. again, it's hard to absolutely smash them because they've found a guy that's in the best 22. Obviously the hard thing with Sean Attlee is that when you spend a first round pick, the expectation rightly or wrongly is, is yeah. quite high. And again, compared to some of the guys on this list that haven't made it and yep. literally barely played a game or didn't, you know, he's better than that, obviously. But yeah. um, for some of the other guys that were around this mark, um, yeah, he'd be a bit underwhelmed, but I think Tom McDonald, you know, fills that role and, um, shapes up really interesting for these last few picks with Carlton Hawthorne and Fremantle. Oh, I don't like this for Carlton one little bit. Um, cause, cause if Tom McDonald had hung around, he was probably the guy I would have more than likely would have been my preference. Um, Carlton's list at this point in time. It's okay. Like it's, it's okay. Um, you, you're through the midfield. You're actually pretty set. Murphy is getting plenty of the ball. Judd, Gibbs are getting plenty of the ball. Carazzo is playing at times a negating midfield role off half back. Simpson and Scotland. Uh, you've got a younger Chris Yaron, who's at times played some forward, but later on we experimented um, as, as a player off half back, which fantasy football players will attest to. That may or may not have frustrated you at one year having him there. So I don't think their midfield, to be fair, is lacking for too much, nor is their half back lacking for too much up forward it's probably where they are lacking they've got an eddie betts who's you know got a couple a little bit of time left before he heads to adelaide jeff garlett is enjoying being second fiddle and jared white when he actually does play 
is is solid. Lockie Henderson's, um, you know, young and developing through there as well. So, like, they're not really the the players that are left on the board. There's not really the hard thing, MJ, is you know that in the future they are going to have a thin midfield, and they've been trying to address it for the last three to four years. So that's that's where I'd be. And that's where I'm heading to. And that's where, for me, the best midfielder on the board is Cam Guthrie. Yeah. And so, for me, I'm taking him through there. It's not a need thing that they have at that present time. Watson being that defender that they were looking for was. But knowing Gibbs leaves later on, Judd gets injured and gets to the end of his career. Scotland and Simpson. Carazzo was quick, wasn't it? He was so good on the... When he was tagging and all yeah. that sort of stuff, but it it does come quick, and they turned the list over, obviously, really quickly. In the next three yeah. years, it, it, it changes. Twenty seventeen hits, and they're going. It'd be a nice compliment to Cripps, wouldn't he? If you oh. think present day, what Guthrie's got with the size, the defensive stuff. Um, as yeah. I said, I know he benefits from that Geelong game style this year. That was totally. kick mark, um, but his tackle numbers are through the roof, and yeah, um, he's the best available. And there's nothing that glaringly that is on the draft board that would fill a need. So I go, who's the best that I can get yeah. that now will help them. And that's Cam Guthrie. And again, MJ, what would they have done, you know, in previous years, what they could have, they had turned their attention to when they were, you know, going after the Matt Kennedy's, the set of fields who I really like and think they've got a really good one, but yeah. they've put a lot of resources, Liam Stocker, Paddy Dow, like they've invested a lot of resources into those type of players. Yeah over the years to fill that void alongside Cripps. And we know um, Murphy, and, and that's why Kerner has played so much yeah. mid, is that there wasn't someone there. to force him out. And, and I think, you know, Kerner rightly deserves to be in there, but, you know, he was a really heavy contributor, especially at his age now where he's a bit older. And that's where I have to give the edge to Guthrie. If I was weighing up Kerner and Guthrie, yeah, for me, originally on mine, I had Kerner going to the Crows at 14 because I thought when Kerner was really, really good, to have the ability to send Kerno when Adelaide was at its prime to the opposition's best midfielder and yeah. let Sloan and those guys really go to work, I thought that was a really nice mix. But again, Kerno's mature age, so he's three years older than Guthrie. So really, if you're a Carlton now with Guthrie, you're thinking, you beauty, three to four more years of really good footy from Cam Guthrie compared to Kerno, you know, maybe been retired by then. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. At- Here's the thing with Ed Kerno, though. He was mm-hmm. originally a rookie draft pick to the Crows um, just a few years earlier in mm. 2008. So they delisted him. So, yeah, it's one of those sliding though, isn't it? moments. Yeah. yeah. And that, and obviously, as we know, sometimes that's the making of players is for whatever yeah. reason, whether it's them or coaching or just a whole bunch of circumstances, um, it just doesn't work at the time. And we know with Jared Lyons, I got him back going back to the Suns where – they moved on after you know a year of him, and he went across town. And he's, as I said, one of the most well-rounded mids in the competition. So, at nineteen, Hawthorne obviously nailed it. Isaac Smith, yeah, great pick, great servant of the club, really impactful in finals and obviously part of their three premierships. And um, looking at what's available, um, again, Kerno is available, and I've just sung his praises. But for what the Hawthorne team sort of has. I don't really feel like it's a major, it's not a massive thing with obviously Liam Shields been drafted before. I've got Mitchell. I've got, I feel like I've got enough there. So I want, I want to add to goals. And I think, you know, this type of player was really important in their premiership years, um, but it's not the one they picked in this pool. 
I'm going with a guy that I reckon is one of the most underrated players, and I've spoken about this a lot in this draft, is mm. in their position. And I know this is the hard thing with fantasy is we, yeah. we look at the guys that get a ton of ball. But if you want a guy that's a small forward, and there's a few that jump out to me that are you know above this guy clearly. You know, yeah. Charlie Cameron would be above him. But if you want a guy that just kicks goals, and yeah. I know he's a little bit of a downhill skier at times, that he does get bags, and it's often against the smaller teams. But mm. Jamie Cripps is the guy I'm going to go for. I like it. And when I think about Cripps, from 2014 to 2019, he kicked 27, 34, 28, 26, 38, and 30. He's also the fifth option. And, and this is where I think it's important in actually constructing the team is it's all well and good to have guys that kick a ton of goals, but often they kick a ton of goals because they're the primary target inside 50. Like this is a guy that can be the fourth or fifth fiddle in a forward line. And he's still going to net you in these seasons, pretty much a goal and a half a game. Like to have a guy that's going to do that. I know he was originally drafted by St. Kilda. Didn't work out. West coast picked him up. Um, Durable gets the job done. And I've seen him kick goals in games really important times in the game. Like, as I said, a lot of people can kick big bags when the, all the ball's going through them every time. But to have a guy that doesn't need that can really just get it done with the limited opportunities he gets. And you think about that Hawthorne forward line, again, he's, for me, he's an upgrade on Puopolo. I know Puopolo probably offers a little bit more defensively, but I think in actually, in terms of finishing, and obviously a guy as well that, is still going to be an active contributor now. Yeah. Again, Puopolo, unfortunately for him, the last few years, um, he just hasn't really been at the level that we're accustomed to in that Hawthorne run. Yeah. And you've still got another three to four out of Crips now, and you've had another two good seasons of him lately. And obviously, part of that West Coast Premiership side, um, as I said, if you just got a guy that can do that with such a limited opportunity, I just find that extremely impressive, as opposed to grabbing, you know, an Ed Kerno type that was available um, some of the other guys I was thinking again Dalhouse Dalhouse's good numbers are as a mid and I don't want him correct in that role yeah um, so for me it was you know I was weighing up Puopolo or Cripps um, love Cripps a bit younger just think a little bit more offensively and I said I'm going to get a little bit more out of him as well albeit if you knew that Puopolo was going to get those premierships I'm sure you wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world but I just think long term yeah. Um, he's going to get that little bit more service out of Crips and probably a little bit more scoreboard impact too. Yeah, I like it. I really, really like that pick. Uh, leaves me with the last pick uh, in our redraft. Fremantle went Jaden Pitt. And this is, um, in terms of where Fremantle's list is at, probably a little bit more advanced to where North Melbourne were at, who we were talking about just moments ago. But they are they are on the cusp of their big finals and then their eventual grand final assault. Like they finished sixth this year, 52, um, what, 13 wins, 52 points, you know, right up there with Hawthorne, um, right up there with Sydney and, and just a win behind the Western Bulldogs throughout the year. So, so they're right in a pretty similar mix. What I'm, I'm probably going to stay in a similar vein of what they picked for the type of player. But as I look at what Fremantle are doing, like they've got Pavlich, a generational forward. 
um, who, who is very much strong through there. You look through that midfield um, in terms of who they've currently got that was there and was driving stuff. Mundy um, and was well and truly the leader through there. Barlow um, ended up getting rookie promoted um, later on this year in the draft. They've got some great guys off the halfback. They've got Duffield. Um, Broughton was certainly there. Stephen Hill was that elite ball user um, in and around through there. So I, so I do consider... Um, if, if Guthrie was on the board, I would have picked him. I do consider Kerno, but I think I've got a Ryan Crowley on the list who does a very similar thing. Um, then do I look at a, a Michael Hibbard? Well, no, I don't really need the rebounding defender. Um, so what is it? Uh, for me, like I said, I'm going to go for who I think's the closest best match to him. And it's Jared Pollock. I think he'd actually fit pretty nicely on that other wing um, alongside a Stephen Hill, who we know later on in his career gets injured. But what Pollock does is, yes, he is very one-dimensional at what he does in the sense of he's attacking, he gets into space, and he's a ball user. It, is there much else he gives you than that in a game? No, there's not much else he gives you. But for me... What he does do is he is elite on the outside and this midfield needs some elite outside skill, Kane. Can I throw another name at you that I was considering yes. for this pick for Fremantle? Knowing, as you said with Kerno, is like, again, it's great because you have longer service at him, but when yeah. Fremantle were really in amongst it, it's probably not a value add to what yeah. they already had. This guy fascinates me because it's hard to say it's short-lived because it's, Five seasons of quality. But I know at the same time that Ross Lyon was so defensive in their game plan that scoring wasn't really a major focus. But at the same time, this maybe strengthens his appeal. And that's Josh Jenkins. Yeah, I thought of him. I look at that and I think from 2014 to 2018, the lowest he kicked is 40 goals in a season. And again, part of the reason he kicked so many goals is because Adelaide was so attacking. Yeah. Um, and obviously Fremantle is not going to be given that opportunity. But... The thing I really like about Jenkins is it's great support for Sanderlands for starters. Again, Pavlich, you've got there. McFarlane, you've got there at this time. But also what I love about it is great contested mark for Jenkins. And the way the ball was coming in, um, to have a guy that can be that outlet and take those grabs, Yeah, I just think is that something that they could have used, you know, in those seasons, is that a, is that something they could have used? And obviously, any anyone can use of forty goals. Of course, you could use forty goals, but to do it for five years and it, for it to line up with the years that you know really suited their assault, like yeah. you can't tell me he's not a direct upgrade on Kepler Bradley, who they had well, in the team in twenty eleven. Like again, Michael Johnson was a swing man they used at times. Like McPhee was there as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it just wasn't. It wasn't super pretty. So I, I think about, you know, when they're making this charge, and as I said, I know they're extremely defensive-minded. Like, it's not massive. But, you know, you've got Hayden Ballantyne kicking 49 goals in, in 2014, Pavlich kicking 46. I just wonder, with what Jenkins can offer, and as I said, it probably is short-lived, yeah. just the way it's turned out and the game's revolved for him. But... I just wonder, MJ, again, it's always one of those things when you get so close. Does just that think, the final piece, yeah. Yeah, is, is a guy who can kick four or five 
and in a sense come from nothing. Again, yeah. because he's such a good contested mark, can he manufacture that extra goal or two a game? When you're playing 50 to 60 point games like Fremantle wanted to restrict their opponent to, um, I just wonder that upside of what Jenkins can do, would that be appealing to what you know Fremantle is going to enter into? And I guess you could say the same thing for North. Yeah. Again, when we went for Tom, you know, Tom McDonald was the person we ended up going, but um, Josh Jenkins has had, if you want to stack up good years, and I'm going to say, if you're getting five good years, like Josh Jenkins, five good years are very good years. Yeah. Very he's good sort years. of 15 to 18 or 16 yeah, to 18 is really good. Yeah. Really good year. And one of them was, you know, sensational in terms of goals. Um, again, I wonder with teams like North and Fremantle, again, that didn't quite get that final hurdle, having a guy that can, as I said, can create his own opportunities just by his contested marking and also chop out in the ruck. I just wonder if you, you'd take that upside as opposed yeah. to the really um, rock solid Ed Kerno, or as you said, the yeah. Pollock in what he does. Again, he's got some flaws, but still a solid player. Like again, yeah. on a wing, I think, I think we've all forgotten how good his last year at Port was. You know, he really was yeah. a solid player. And again, can you blame a guy if you're going to get, if someone's going to pay you double the money and do the same job? Yeah. You know, he's been a victim of, you know, going to that, going to you know North Melbourne and not and not working out and obviously there's a host of circumstances but he yeah. is a solid player. Yeah. He is AFL standard. So yeah, I just wonder for what Fremantle how close they got if they might think about a Josh Jenkins just for that potential. I think they do and then I also think they look at some other guys that could still have helped them. Both mm. um Dalhouse and Puopolo. I was going to say Dalhouse and Puopolo both would have been right in the next. Valentine. And, and Chris especially, still especially there. Especially both of those guys, the attitude. The it's not so much arrogance, but it's for smaller guys. Yeah. They are not afraid to put on physical pressure Correct. off the ball, harass people. Um, and it was sort of on brand with Fremantle, wasn't it? We know yeah. those big finals, the Ballantines, the Crowleys, you know, they had some guys that had some aggro. intimidating. And yeah. um yeah, I think he would. I think both of those guys would be fascinating. Again, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those five or no, six. No, I really, think I you? think those guys. Um, again, if it lines up, again, the other guy that if you're talking about stuff lining up, if you can line up Harley Bennell's best ability with, with Fremantle's Finals runs, runs, yeah. Again, he's the type of guy that can kick ten goals in a final series. And that like, was why they got him, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, the, that's uh, the. the through there so and it would have been the correlation would have been quite similar in terms but that's of, the thing mj isn't it when you look at these you look at this crop and we spoke about a sean atley you know we spoke about a sam day and maybe a reese conquer and a guy that didn't even get mentioned at pick seven was josh caddy yeah i think you find good. that um when you've got guys that are just sort of guys you know they're not really um super impactful even in their best seasons they're just solid afl players they play every week but Again, they're, they're not determining results. I always yeah. find it fascinating how you balance up those guys with a Josh Jenkins, you know, with a guy that, whoa, for five years was impactful, really good, part of a great team. And then they just go by the wayside. Yeah. Like, again, I find that interesting. Michael Hibbert as well, um, probably more a victim of just, just hasn't been himself. And by that, I mean his last year at Essendon, his first year at Melbourne. Yeah had that run and carry dash again, maybe it's just age. It just fallen away, but he was another guy that was sort of in yeah. my pool of players Same. that I was 
constantly thought, there. Where where does he upgrade a team? You know, where does he really strengthen? He's not. He's and um, not. He's, yeah. he obviously didn't make it in my team in the end, but probably doesn't have the the superstars, does it? NJ, this crop. Well, you know, you contrast that to 2013, and again, these are guys that there's no more potential for them probably to fulfill. Uh, you get outside of probably Luke Parker at four. Is yeah, I've got Howard stretching it to yeah, five. Yeah, how and you know how and Darling are in a case of their own where their best is as good as anyone, but their worst is, you know. A long yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it, MJ? Is that for how really runs on the board as a defender? He hasn't had many seasons. Two or three. Because really, it was it was something he was trialed at Melbourne, and then obviously he moved on to Collingwood with the promise that he would not be playing as a defense. defender, and then very yeah. and then very quickly um, was convinced that it helps when the team's doing well. So I don't blame him that this is actually your preferred position, but in terms of, you know, what McGovern's done or, you know, obviously yeah. Tom Lynch is a forward, Gaff's a mid, Parker's a mid. And again, he probably, that's probably why I just have him ahead of Darling is that yeah. um, Darling's only really had two seasons where he's been really good. Obviously the good thing for him is that he's, it's been recently. It's not yeah. like some of these other guys where it was year two or three, they had their best year. Totally. And now they're falling away and um, they're just rare, aren't they? Those, those big forwards and, yeah, it's amazing when you've got get. a guy like Kennedy next to him, how much he started to really shoot through the roof um, totally. with that compliment. But yeah, I think from, from really darling again, just cause he's a, a key, like Lions, Prestia, Smith, Lysette, Heppel, Brody Smith, Jonas, Johannesson, Managola, Swallow, Tom McDonald, Guthrie, Cripps. Like you're probably not feeling too upset. Are you? If you had pick 19 compared to pick 10. Like we said, I think there's seven of the original 20 that we picked. Maybe eight, mm. if my math's crap. Yeah, well, I, the only one, yeah, I had Swallow made the cut, Gaff, Heppel, Prestia, Lynch, Brody Smith, and Isaac Smith. So it's funny, isn't it, MJ, as we're on the dawn of another draft in season 2020 that we're talking about an Essendon team, for instance, that have three picks in the top 10. And of our top 10, I only had four players really making it. And I would honestly say that only Andrew Gaff's a consistent star. I'd have Heffel and Prestia is very good and Swallow's probably just good. Obviously injury affected him, but, and he plays at a team that hasn't won a lot. Um, but it just always makes you wonder about the value of picks. And I do feel like the kids now are a lot more ready. Like you see some of the crops we've had, we've come through the 2018 crop, for instance, I can probably already tick the first seven easily and say yeah. they're going to be at worst a B level player. Cause oh, that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? Everyone thinks first round pick, we're getting an A player. Like of this list, the A players, only Gaff came in the top five. Yep. Like McGovern rookie, Lynch, 11, Parker, 40s, Howe, 30s. Like it's not as obvious. And even Prestier and yeah. Heppel, as good as they are. You know, they're not real game winners. They're very good contributors. They're in your best 10. No doubt. Absolutely. Um, and Brody Smith and Isaac Smith, the same. But yeah. you can't waste a pick in the AFL now, can you, MJ? Even no, if it's a rookie, they're all, and I'm sure they say this internally, they're, they're all as important as the other one. I don't, they don't care if we find a player at pick one that's the best player or if we find a rookie like Jeremy McGovern. And that's what I always find interesting. And we talk about trading and, We've seen big deals like Jeremy Cameron and people get blown away by 
three first-round picks being involved. There was plenty coming back to Geelong as well, mind you, but for proven, proven AFL performance, peak of their career. Um, yeah, these, these type of things always just remind me about how much of a lottery these picks are, especially this year in 2020, MJ, with Vic Talent not playing a game. Yeah, it's going it's to be gonna, fascinating. It's going to be very interesting to see. But do you agree or disagree with our list, uh, friends, the coaches panel? You can let us know and have your say. We'll be back to maybe do another one. Maybe. Uh, if not this year, definitely we'll do another one for you in the offseason. Still plenty of stuff landing through at coachespanel.tv. And for our fantasy footy friends, which, let's be honest, it's most of you. That's why you follow the coaches panel. Still plenty of stuff planned for you coming up through the offseason. Enjoy your week. We'll chat to you soon. Give it a-